When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. All right, fans, welcome into Red Sox Beat. Another week, another podcast. We're always here for you. Uh, don't forget, this today's episode is, of course, brought to you by Lynda.com. Kickstart your new year and challenge yourself to learn something new with free 10-day trial to Lynda.com. Lynda is used by millions of people around the world and has over 4,500 courses on topics like web development, photography, visual design, and business. Uh, taught by experts, all, all you have to go on there is log on. You get a free 10-day trial from CNS Radio, just go on www.lynda.com backslash CLNS give you a free 10 day trial get up there good stuff it's always a good product and it's easy to use so go for it today 10 day trial you're welcome Jess what's going on my friend I was just living the living the warm life now because it's actually nice out yeah it's 40 something degrees 45 degrees out right now 45 degrees out I had my windows down all the way home from work so did I (laughs) Had to do it because living in New England, forty-five feels like eighty. Well, the, the sun was, was bright and shining too, so it was actually hot if you didn't have the window down. Yep, I agree. So it's nice; it's warm. That means spring's in the air. I think I have like what a little under twenty days left till spring, something like that. That's pretty cool. I think it's the twenty-sixth of March, so that means it's coming. We turn the clocks ahead, get an extra hour of daylight. Yeah, which is fantastic as it's well. Dark till like almost seven now. Yeah, I know. It's, it's amazing. So that means the Red Sox will be joining us up here in Boston anytime now, um, despite there being over a foot of snow still what, outside. What problem with that? <laughs> I did see, though. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, there was a, some quotes from Dave Miller, who's the Red Sox groundskeeper. He put down black sand on the snow, and like over, like tons of it, like actual like tons, and yeah. it got rid of two and a half feet of snow already in a very short period of time. They know what they're doing. So I assume they'll have everything ready by the time. Even if, it's snow, it, <laughs> even if there's snow in your yard, there will not be snow at Fenway Park. Right. Because so, they will not let that do happen. Do not worry. So, there will be baseball. We, we, we <laughs> Despite how cold it is and how cold it potentially can be. Either way. All right. We're going to get off here. we got a lot to talk about today. There's a lot going on. we got Buckholes again. I want to talk about more. Uh, Victorino being a baby and being hurt. Uh, you have Pavel Sandoval making his comments today. He came out, maybe we'll get to that later. If you don't know, stay tuned, we'll get to those. Uh, Xander Bogarts has been on a tear. And, of course, we're going to talk about some fantasy baseball. Because, like we said, once a week we're going to bring some fantasy element into the show, big or small. Today we'll give you our top three sleepers that you can draft. Each of us have our own top three. Jess will go. I will go. It'll be great. You get some great knowledge from us there. I did some research, so I, we know what we're talking about. We're not just pulling these off the top of our head, I promise. Uh, before we do that, I want to just run through some uh, around-the-league stuff here at the beginning because we won't get into too much other than Red Sox-related news. But I wanna, There's a lot of MLB news as well, Jeff, so I want to get to that. Um, run through a few things here. First, Cliff Lee could miss the season with a renewed soreness in, some, in that same left elbow he hurt in 2014. Reports are, according to multiple people, and of course Cliff Lee who said it earlier, that he could end his career if the surgery is needed. That would be 
huge blow to him as he's been trying to work himself back into shape. Uh, the Yankees reportedly were close to a deal to land Cole Hamels, and they were the closest out of everyone trying to get Cole Hamels, and reports are the deals could not, possibly are not dead as well, so look for the Yankees to jump in there. Hopefully not, for Red Sox fans. Uh, Matt Harvey, the Mets return to the mound for the first time since Tommy John surgery, and he said he felt good. He drew two scoreless innings, 25 pitches, and three strikeouts, reached 99 on the gun. So uh, all signs point to him being back. They just have to be careful with that. I'm sure they will. And finally, uh, Texas pitcher and ace Hugh Darvish reportedly has a torn UCL after undergoing an MRI. Tommy John surgery is likely, and that will end the 2015 season for him before it even started. So there are quick MLB notes around the league. Jeff, any reaction to any of that before we move on? Yeah, I'll give you a quick reaction on on all of it. First of all, the... Oh, I love it. Yeah, I mean, I I got stuff to say. Um, First thing... What was the first thing? Quickly. Quickly, right. For Quickly, I mean... This guy can never stay healthy. He's always just projected as one of the best pitchers in the league, and when he pitches, he is. But he's missed a lot of time for injuries, so does not surprise me at all, and definitely not someone I would want in the Red Sox at any time because he's way too injury-prone, proven by what you just said. Yep. Cole Hamels, I mean, if the Yankees, if the Yankees get him, they're probably still not going to be that good. So that really doesn't worry me. It probably won't happen. It doesn't seem like the Phillies ever want to deal anybody to any, anybody to any team. So... That really doesn't bother me either way. I mean, if they get him, it's not the end of the world. I'd rather they not. What gets, but, what gets me with that, too, Jess, quickly, yeah. is how are the Yankees the closest when they don't have any prospects? They don't have a great farm system, at least not to my knowledge. No, they don't. So why wouldn't you rather take the the, top, the non-top prospects from the Red Sox rather than taking the top prospects who probably aren't as good anyway? That's what the Red Sox are going to give you. That blows my mind. Yeah, it really makes no sense, but knowing the Phillies, it, nothing they do really makes sense. So... <laughs> They still have Jonathan Papelbon, so that that is clear to that. Exactly. So, yeah, that's kind of a, a non-issue. If they get him, I guess that's all right. If they don't, then that, that'll probably be more likely. So, Yeah, that definitely. Uh, next thing was Matt Harvey. Matt Harvey. <laughs> I knew everything. I'm trying to get the order of it. So Matt Harvey, uh, good for him. I mean, he's a, he's a really good pitcher, clearly, and he's young. And he can throw real hard. So if he can, if he can stay healthy, then he'll be great. But you always wonder if, when someone gets injured, period, uh, will they stay healthy or not? So he will be one. They definitely need to stay healthy because he's could be a real good pitcher down the line. So good start for him. We'll see. We'll see where that takes him. And then you, Darvish. Well, wow is all I have to say because <laughs> I, thought, I thought he was already using me good. But these these uh, Japanese guys, him and Tanaka. And, that Daisuke had some problems with, with us, with some injuries and some different different uh, struggles for sure. So I don't know. These guys are they not conditioned well enough, or did they throw too much before they came to the majors? I'm not exactly sure, but they don't they don't seem to be having a very good track record of, of uh, staying in the league for very long and pitching full seasons. No, T- Tanaka also side note is going to make his uh, spring training debut Thursday. What's the, I don't even know the date on that. The 12th, I believe that's what it is. Um, so look out for that if you're a Yankees fan. But, uh, yeah, so there's, there's some a lot of news going around in the major leagues. Yu uh, Darvis especially is just a shocker to me. I thought he was going to come back strong this year. I was looking forward to it. Texas really needed him to kind of bounce back off a, kind of a rough injury-plagued year last year. But it looks like they're going to reportedly lose him for the rest of the year, which is a shame. Uh, Cliff Lee is obviously kind of really upsetting to us just because he potentially was coming here, and now that he's hurt, I don't want any part of him. So, yeah, I, no thank you. That being said, those, that was a quick, just a quick 
little tour around Major League Baseball. I don't need to get dive too much into it because we got a lot of Red Sox related stuff to get to. That's a good segment. Um, I, I like that. Yeah, I think we're gonna, I think we're going to keep doing that just to keep you updated on Major League Baseball. Anything major, we'll obviously kind of go in more detail about. But um, that, those are your quick hits, uh, nice and nice and sweet to the point. Uh, move on to some Red Sox stuff now. We're going to start with Pablo Sandoval because this is kind of this kind of took me back this morning when I saw it. Just a quick all of a sudden, bleach, it was a Bleacher Report article. I think it was a Bleacher Report interview that that kind of sparked this. And it just got me because it kind of, all of a sudden they suddenly just kind of slid into the article. Pablo Sandoval says leaving San Francisco was not hard at all. That's quote quote not hard at all. Like apparently he what well, he wasn't phased. They he he gave up money. And we all knew that he gave up money to come to Boston. It wasn't as much as the San Francisco Giants offered him. He said that if you want me around, you you make the effort to push and get me back. I knew early in spring training last year, last year I was going to leave. Pablo said they didn't expect my agent. Contract talks, everything, the way Brian Sabian, Giants general manager, talked to my agent. That's telling, meaning he – and it goes on to say here that he basically um, treated it as last year as his final summer here, final summer in San Francisco. He, he also went on to say the Giants made a good offer, but I didn't want to take it. He said I got five years and 95 from Boston. I left money on the table in San Francisco. This was kind of what the reports were coming out anyway, Jess, but to see it now in writing and to see him come out and say it, yeah – I wanted out of the NL West. I wanted out of San Francisco. They didn't treat me right. As soon as they said something in spring training and I felt disrespected, I knew this was my last summer. And good for him to go out on top in San Francisco, but he he was taking everything last in playing his last summer in San Francisco. And it's just kind of shocking for him to come out and say this now. And obviously he's happy in the spring training. You can see him kind of be the being himself, being the panda. You see pictures of him being all bubbly with his teammates and Ortiz and everybody. It's good stuff to hear knowing that realistically – it was San Francisco or Boston, according to all these reports that we saw all summer, and, I mean, leading up to the summer and all winter, and now hearing this basically meant that really it was a good chance that we were never going to lose him. But now knowing it, Chess, I was kind of surprised he came out and said this. Yeah, I was too. I mean, I didn't realize it was quite that bad of a situation. Obviously, we're not in, in the locker rooms, and especially not in the San Francisco locker room, but just to, to know what's going on in there. But I mean, he seemed happy in all accounts, and he obviously had an incredible postseason and a pretty good year. And then they won the World Series, so I'm surprised that that was basically decided a long time ago that he wasn't going to come back. Because I, I mean, there's no way we would anybody would have known that. But apparently, he didn't get treated treated very well, and that's a little surprising from a organization who won three out of five years. But I mean, I'm a little surprised he said it. I guess I can see why he wants to get it off his chest, but kind of leaves a little a little sore thumb sore thumb for all this time there just coming out afterwards and and saying oh yeah by the way that was that was easy and i didn't want to be there and i'm happy now i mean usually i feel like you keep those to yourself usually but if if he felt like he needed to get that get that out then he got that out and now everyone can can take it how they want to yeah it's crazy i i think he he's come out and said a lot of things he also said here um a big influence he said that um, he said, quote, I want to play third base all five years. He said, I don't like DH. I'd love to be involved in the game. So if he gets his way, he's not DH in regardless of when Ortiz retires. Um, but I think for me, in reading this article and reading these, a lot of these quotes, he, he, he realized that it wasn't about the money. He wanted to be treated right. And Boston clearly in swooped him up, swept him off his feet when bad times were bad in San Francisco. And the only teammate, according to him, that he misses is Hunter Pence. Because he came out and said, I don't miss any of my teammates. And then he said, oh, wait, no, but I miss Hunter Pence. 
So one, what does that mean about Buster Posey? Oh yeah, and <laughs> and because I thought he was this great locker room guy and great teammate, and now all of a sudden he doesn't miss Buster Posey. So what does that speak maybe, about? Maybe what's going so on dandy the over there in San Francisco? <laughs> yeah, right. What what are they hiding over there in the Great Bay? So uh, it's crazy to think about. But Pablo Sandoval, I, I I like it's just still shocking to me. I mean, I get why he would possibly say it because they probably asked him and they said, okay, what what do you think about what? Why were you here? What was the whole situation like? But the biggest Part of this, Jess, that really, really gets to me is the fact that he knew last spring, as soon as they, they just like, weren't taking contract talks seriously, and right then and there he decided, oh, I'm not coming back next year. Regardless of where I go, I'm not coming back. It's going to be really hard to play the whole season knowing that. Yeah, and clearly the Giants must have had an idea because he wouldn't just play all year hiding that. That's a hard thing to hide. Right. But clearly they didn't, they didn't negotiate, and like that was that. Was that. But like... It's that this seems like there'd be tension or something, something weird there. That just knowing that this is the last season, like basically no matter what, and that he wasn't that happy if if he showed that he wasn't that happy. I mean, it's a weird, it's a weird situation. It's, it makes it all weirder that they won the championship of all things too. On yeah, really, he's got an unexpected swan song. Right, like it's to me though for Pablo. Obviously, I'm happy he's here. Oh, yeah. He's a Red Sox fan, and obviously, if the Gi- the Giants are going to keep winning without him, they don't need him to win. But it's kind of a shame the way it ended because we all, um, from the outside, everyone here in Boston and everywhere saw the Giants as a class organization, him as a lovable guy, and the Giants as an organization that's going to treat their players right. They treat Buster Posey right. They treat Hunter Pence right. And now seeing that the guy who they drafted, and everyone loves, and that the fan base loved him over there, and of course, we're all going to love him here. To see them treat him like that and not take him seriously, they almost took it for granted. And they almost took Pablo being loving San Francisco for granted. And now he doesn't like it any office anymore. And I know he also came out and said that it would have been really weird if he like played if he went and played for the Padres because that was a possible option as well. Right. Because they were so close in the division. Because they were so close to the division and stuff. So I think it was better for everyone that he came over here just because it's a clean slate. Not in the National League, not even in the same division, not anything. It's American League East. He's in Boston now, and he gets to restart here in Fenway where people are going to love him. He's going to play third base. He's going to get a, a very convenient field to boost his batting average, I think, because oh, yeah. he's got really good opposite field power, if you don't know that. So I think he took the best situation he could have, and obviously the Red Sox paid him. Um, and he saw he saw the family-like atmosphere. Obviously, David Ortiz being here was a big part of him coming, I'm sure. But overall... This article and this this interview just kind of backs up all the reports of him not wanting, not being respected in San Francisco. And the way that the way it was written, obviously they clearly went to him about this, and he was willing to open up because he wanted to tell his story and say, "Look, I was disrespected. It wasn't the money. I'm not that kind of guy. The Red Sox paid me less, but they made me feel like a part of this team and a human being, and they cared about how I felt and how I am as a player, and that's why I went there." Yeah, it's definitely good. I mean, a dramatic dramatic shift in location. Like you said, that's always good to just get a whole a whole new situation that's completely different. So I think that was that was definitely smart. And then, yeah, I mean, I like I like that he says it's not about the money. I mean, obviously he's getting paid either way, but I respect a guy who doesn't who doesn't take more money if he's not happy with the situation because I'm I'm sure there's lots of guys who would do that who just want who just want the money. So I'm glad that he wants to be treated well, and I hope that the Red Sox can treat him well. And I mean, overall, it's just it's just sad for San Francisco. I mean, you hate when a guy leaves like that kind of 
thinking of examples like Josh Beckett. I mean, he didn't leave on the best of the terms because of the whole chicken and beer thing. I don't necessarily think that was as big of a deal as everyone made it, but he didn't leave on great terms. And then Terry Francona leaving, not on great terms because apparently he wasn't treated very well either at all. So it's just, I don't know, it's sad. It just kind of leaves a damper on, on everybody and the organization for a little while when something like that happens. So it's a little sad. But Well, and, and, and if you look at it this way, too, the, the, Pablo Sandoval is the opposite, like you said, of most of these things. Most players in the league now, he left the team for less money because he wasn't he wasn't respected in his words. So, I, I it's just it's big for me because usually you think, um, oh, okay, well he could he could have got more money. He probably got more money in Boston. That's why he left San Francisco. But to hear that he actually got less money here and he just wanted to come here for being here, I think that's huge news for Red Sox fans because. This guy's a clubhouse guy, clearly, and we all knew that coming in. Everyone loves Pablo, but to know that he did that to because he likes being loved, and that means he's going to be great for this locker room, which is huge moving forward because of what happened last year. Yeah, I'm just hoping people lay off of the of the chunky and, and fat talk because clearly he's a, somewhat of a sensitive dude if he felt he wasn't respected there, so I really hope people can lay off of that and just watch him play and see what he can do because, like he said, he's obviously a really good clubhouse guy and has a lot to bring and seems to really enjoy himself. So we don't really need like fans and media bringing him down with, with, with like fat talk because nobody likes that. Yeah, look, he's, he's he knows how to play with his weight. And, and yeah, I agree. It could be a problem if he's this sensitive and if people start calling him fat all year when he starts playing like crap. But it's going to happen. Look, he, he did, had great things in San Francisco. You know what you're getting in him. He's hitting five in this lineup, I believe, is what it has been, is projected as, and what it was opening day of spring training. So... It's not going to be. He's not going to be expected to hit a power. Power. He's not a power hitter. It's not what he is. He's an on base guy. He's going to be able to drive in runs when Ortiz and Hanley and everyone above him get on base. So that's what he's here for. Judge him off of that. And he's got range on third base. So it's good. It's good to hear him saying this stuff because it means that he really is. He likes the way he likes being treated fairly. And I think in this Red Sox locker room, he will be. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's a great move. It's we've been excited about it for a while and. I think this has been all good signs so far in spring training, and I look forward to the season and hope everyone just shuts up and watch him play. Yeah, so and that being said, Pablo Sandoval, we know he's going to be a good guy, and season starts under a month from now, so it's going to be exciting to see. Obviously, he, he I think he has like one hit in spring so far, but he hasn't played too much, so don't really want to go too much off of that. But either way, it's just it's huge news that he's even – saying this, and it's big, but uh, I don't think it should be taken too much, and it should just, I think it's going to be one of those articles that we see come and go, we know what happened, we know, we know what went on, and that's it, and now he's moving on as a Red Sox, so it's good news for Red Sox fans, bad news for Giants fans, and maybe the image of the Giants moving forward, who knows, and that, that could be a discussion for another day, but we're going to move on here, uh, other big news to get to besides Pablo Sandoval, obviously, um, Shane Victorino, veteran right fielder, coming off his injury, Claiming he's healthy is now hurt again. Like, are you kidding me? He apparently it's general soreness, nothing major. Um, according to them, it's quote just normal everyday soreness. Fielder Shane Victorino, of course he said this. I haven't played in seven months. Victorino said just normal everyday soreness. Let's not look far, too far into it, okay, guys? And him saying that to me, I, I don't believe it. Like, this has to be back-related, because you don't just come in with a history of back issues, especially coming off a whole season being plagued by back issues, have general soreness in a, that general area, calling it upper body, 
and then saying it's not related and it's just general soreness because I haven't played in so long. What have you been doing all winter? Yeah, that seems a little weird being just general soreness. I mean, I don't know if it's related to the back. I hope it's not related to the back, but, I mean, obviously it's not a good thing if you're... Yeah, he said, I haven't played in seven months. Well, yeah, that's great, but didn't he do things to, like, strengthen his body so that he could endure a season of, you know, hitting walls and sliding into bases and, and running around? I mean, what was he doing? Um, I, I don't know, like, because, like, I heard some uh, other opinions on this during the week, and it's just a matter of you could easily simulate half the stuff you do in baseball, if not all of it. Right. During this, during the off season, you can run a base. You can run bases. You can have someone hit fly balls to you. You can just you can run. You can do almost everything you do. You can practice stealing bases. You can practice going first to third. All these all you gotta do is clap your hands and go and pretend that you're running bases. So it's not hard in that sense. Um, he says, and this is a long quote here, but it's kind of I kind of want to read it. It says, it, "quote It's kind of spooky that I get up in the morning or go make a play against the wall, slide into third, and you think, okay, am I going to stand up?" and feel that pain, Victorino said. And not to feel that pain is like, um, when is it going to happen? You knock on wood and hope it doesn't happen, but you have that in the back of your mind. As I said, I'm going to play aggressive, and I'll be ready to go. He, this guy's also the guy who's coming out and say, saying this. He's playing aggressive. He's already gone into the wall, and he's stealing bases in spring training. This is a guy coming off of back issues. Why are you stealing bases? Why are you going 100% when you're worried about hurting yourself? You, said, you came out and said, I'm... I'm hurt. It's, I'm thinking about it in the back of my head of possibly running to the wall and not being able to get up. It's spring training. Don't run into the damn wall. Well, he seems to be kind of conflicted. I mean, you talked about how he's going to be the starting right fielder and he's all ready to play and he's going to be good this season. And now he's talking about how well, maybe he's not going to be good. Or what if I run into that wall? What's going to happen? Come on, guys. It's nothing serious, but it hurts a little bit. So, which, so what is it? Are you are you hurt? Or are you are you going to be fine for the season? It's kind of kind of giving us conflicting reports here. He really has to figure this crap out. He has to figure out if he's going to be able to play because, look, we're all talking about the Red Sox having an abundance of outfielders, but Ruzne Castillo is out with a bleak injury, who has been practicing and is feeling better, according to him. And But now you have Shane McTorino, who's out as well, and you don't know how his, especially with his history, of course, like we've been talking about, you don't know how he's going to pan out and what he's going to have to deal with throughout the season. So then it looks like it's, it'd be less likely to want to trade Mookie Betts or Daniel Nava or even Alan yeah, Craig just because you, now, you need the <laughs> now, you, now you need the outfield depth. Yeah. So, it's and you don't know, and I wouldn't trust Alan Craig in the outfield right now because one wrong turn and he could snap his ankle again. Right. So, you have depth in the outfield, but one guy goes down, the other guy goes down, and you're screwed. Yeah, they should probably keep all these outfielders just in case because it's a dangerous position. People get injured a lot, and they very well may need all these guys that they have right now. And it's just, it's crazy to me because, like you said, he's got to figure out what's going on. If you don't, if you feel any soreness at all, obviously he's going to come back and play. Um, he reportedly now going to play tomorrow. But if he comes back and plays and he gets back into workouts, stop running into walls. I'm I, I'm sick of it. Like I get it in regular season, you're playing hard, you want to play. Everyone knows you're willing to run into a, a stupid wall. You've done it your entire career. Everyone knows you're willing to steal a base. Don't do it in spring training when you're trying to get healthy. Don't do it. Don't run into a wall and try to jump and catch a ball and snap yourself in half when you're trying when you're trying to get healthy in spring training. Spring training is to work kink outs, get your timing down, and get off the field. Maybe you shouldn't play do spring training. Hurt, do, <laughs> yeah, do not, yeah, maybe you shouldn't. Do not Something hurt yourself, and do not even think about getting hurt when you tell me you're going to be the everyday right fielder, and your coach and manager have come out and said, he's the guy if he's healthy. Just stay healthy. How hard is that? You don't, I don't care if you lose a great fruit league game. 
I don't care if you lose the Great Grapefruit League Cup or whatever it's called. I don't care. I want you to win a World Series. That's what you're here for. You're, you want, you're a veteran. You should want to be healthy to win, and you should know what it takes to get through 162 freaking games. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely a concern. He needs, to, he needs to figure out what he's doing, and he needs to figure out how to take care of his body. And if that means not going 100%, then he needs to not go 100%. But I'm not sure if he knows how to not do that. So, uh, I don't know. Do, we'll do I, I mean, do I sound crazy? Like, wouldn't you rather have him for, like, 120 games or 130 than have him play 160, 150 or 160? Yeah, I mean, you can. We have people like Brock Holt who can slip in there and play some games. But if he can play the majority of the games, obviously that's the best thing because we know he's a really good player and he's he had giant giant plays in the 2013 season and he was a big time guy and that'd be nice to have around because not having that last year obviously didn't go go too well for anybody. So if you can have him for a, a decent amount of the year and just have him take days off here and there instead of missing three or four months straight, then that would be a lot better. So please take care of yourself in the in the in March. For God's sake, you have look. You you have depth. You're right. And your projected outfield is Hanley, Bruzne potentially. I'm going off Bruzne because of the money. And Shane Victorino right. That means you have Mookie Betts to throw in there and give him a day off to play in right field with Bruzne Castillo. You have, like you said, Brock Holt to go out there. You have people to go out there, and you have Daniel Nava as well who can play. Anywhere possible. Give him, give him, anywhere in the outfield and first base, Daniel Nava can play. So you have three guys who can give Victorino days off. Stop playing him in spring training. Let him play minimal amounts. Give him the veteran leadership. And then if he has days off and you want to pin him in as a pinch hitter to get that big home run in that big moment, go for it. But don't make him play every day. Don't hurt him. Don't rush him along. And get him to calm down. Get him to like take a chill pill. Well, the only get a prescription. The only problem with that is then if you do that, people. I think they should, but then people are going to start being like, "Well, if he if he thinks he can play the whole regular season, then he should be able to play spring training too." You know, things like that. Not that that matters. Okay. But. Well, <laughs> well, the fans. Well, the fans will get over it because that's them complaining and wanting Victorina to, to, and they want to have it both ways, and they can't have it both ways. It's a matter of do you want him to play every day, and is he healthy enough to play every day in spring training? Which I mean, they play a couple innings, but. If he's not healthy and he needs to really make sure he's not sore going into the regular season and opening day, take the time off. Then take the time off. I'm okay with it. He is 34 years old. He's he's allowed to take a little time off if he if it means he's going to be ready for the season. He even said in his interview, "I'm not 20 anymore." Right. Then good. Then act like it. Don't <laughs> run into walls. Don't steal bases in spring training. Your bones aren't like Bogarts's. You can't just bend and not break. You're going to break. <laughs> it's a problem. Like I'm not joking. Like, I mean, I'm joking, but like. Am I wrong? Like, he's 30, what, what do you say, 34? 34, yeah. He's 34 years old. Why does he need to be stealing bases in spring training? Why? I mean, I was excited about it because I thought it meant that he was going to be active and, and be into stuff, but if he's going to get hurt because of it, then I certainly don't want him to do that. I don't want him to do it anyway. I, I know what Shane Victorino can do. He can steal bases. He can snap, snap himself catching balls against the walls, and he'll, he'll go 110%. He's Dustin Pedroia in the outfield. I get it. You don't need to show me in spring training. I give him a couple of bats, give him some action just to make sure his back doesn't stiffen up, and get him off the field. I guess probably he just feels like he should, he should be playing all outs to show that he's the same player that he was, and that he's not that he's not going to get injured and all that stuff. But if he does that and then gets injured, then that's kind of contradicting that. Okay, but <laughs> his manager his manager came out and gave him the job. John Farrell came out and said he's our right fielder. If if you say that, then you don't need to play. I don't know what's up with him. I mean, I don't know. If I don't know what's in his mind. So. I don't 100% trust John Farrell on that report either. Like, I don't think it's guaranteed to be Victorino's job. But going off of, if you're John Farrell and you really believe your statement, 
and, and you're not hypocritical and cynical and you don't believe everything you hear like I do, then you wanna, you're going to say that and you're going to believe it. Don't force him because you want him to start opening day. You want him healthy for opening day. Let Mookie Betts play. You want him to prove something to you and why you should maybe potentially trade him now for Cole Hamels. If someone wa- is watching at spring training who wants Mookie Betts, let him play. Right. That makes a lot more sense. And if, if Victorino is going to get hurt, at least have it be in the regular season, not, not spring training. <laughs> it's, they've just been hypocritical with this from day one, John Farrell. One, he shouldn't have come out and said that Victorino is going to be a starting right fielder. Because what does that do for Mookie Betts? What does that do for Shane Victorino in terms of, does Mookie Betts, okay, crap, well, I'm not going to start. Let me just play a little, a little less, maybe I'll play a little less hard, just be on the bench. Or what does that do for Shane Victorino? Does he not believe it and try harder like he has been and snap himself? Or when he comes back, he says, okay, maybe I will take it down a notch. Which, that's what I want. But in the eyes of his manager, it might be, a, oh, well, now he's not playing 100%. Like, what do the Red Sox want out of this? And we don't know. And they keep everything that's come out has been conflicting and conflicting and conflicting. And nothing has been 100%. And do I expect 100% truth from the Red Sox? No, because Larry Lucchino's in charge. So I don't, expect, <laughs> I don't expect 100% from the Red Sox. But, like, from John Farrell, I should expect, like, 80% because I give, like, Lucchino 20% stay of what comes out of Farrell's mouth. <laughs> As you might not notice, I do not like Larry Lucchino. Really? I never would have guessed. <laughs> Some more bricks, Larry. Thanks for clearing that one uh, up. <laughs> get your commemorative bricks and panda pandas at the pro shop. Um, I don't think many people are, are fans of Larry Lucchino, to be Where was I? Honest. Where was I? Besides bashing on Larry Lucchino. Not believing everything uh, that they said. That's right, yeah. I'll do a whole segment on Larry Lucchino. I'll pull out numbers and tell everyone why he should be on the curb. But, uh... Look, John Farrell just needs to stick to his guns, and if, if he's going to have Victorino be the right fielder, start come opening day, give him some rest. This guy's clearly not completely healthy, and if he has soreness, give him a couple of bats, make sure he's fine, get him off the field. Next game, give him a minute bat or two, get him off the field. Give him a day off. Give him a couple days off. Get him back on the field. Do not play him as much as possible. You got it. <laughs> like, I don't get where the issue is. If he's sore, don't play him. In which they haven't. But if he's sore, don't let him steal bases. If you have any issue at all, do not let him steal bases. Make sure he does not stake a base. Make sure he does not dive into a wall. And make sure he, when he swings, he swings and he's done. I like that he's switch hitting. I do. I'm happy that he's going back to it. Which means he does feel a lot better than he had. Because he was avoiding switch hitting because of his back injuries. So that's big news. But now don't re-hurt yourself and go back to not switch hitting and all this stuff. Just be healthy. Be healthy, be healthy come Philly. That's all we want. That's all I need, Shane, if you're listening. That's all <laughs> That'd I want. <be> cool. <laughs> Larry, if you're listening, resign. <laughs> well, he is 70. He's getting, he's getting up there. He should resign. Two different issues. But, Larry, bye. <laughs> Larry, bye. Right. Shane, hi. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <Stop>. Larry, bye. <laughs> Shane, Shane, hi. Sit on the bench. <laughs> uh, before we move on, don't forget, this is, of course, brought to you by Lynda.com. This entire episode is brought to you by Lynda.com. Lynda.com is used by millions of people around the world. All of their self-help courses are taught by experts, and new courses are added to their site every week. Claim your free trial membership. Yeah, I said free, people. Go to Lynda.com today by going to Lynda.com backslash CLNS and follow the instructions on the page. There's no reason not to. It's, it's a great website. There's a lot of stuff on it, and it's a free trial. So if you don't like it, then don't <laughs> use it. And if you do like it, then you just got 10 free days of a really good website. No harm, no foul, really people. no reason not just- to. It's a great partner. They've been working well with us, so go on there and give it a shot. All right, we got another two to talk about. Um, we're going to move on to Xander Bogarts now because he has been tearing it up. 
Let's see here. Where are his spring stats? They're right in front of me, right here. Spring stats. Three for eight, which doesn't might, might not look great, but that is a 370, 375 average, people. Hey, you can't forget that it's baseball where you're successful when you fail seven out of ten times. Exactly. <laughs> baseball is a great game of not being how... Not, under 500 is great in baseball for most people right. uh, in terms of batting. It's not record. It's not record. <laughs> not, not record. Um, the other day, last night, yesterday, I believe it was actually, against the Mets, he went two for three with... A three-run homer and another RBI as well. So four RBIs uh, was driven in as a run himself. Big game for him yesterday and last week as well when he hit the other home run that he's had. He has two home runs this, this spring. He says his game feels great. He said that he is he feels like he's getting back to the way he should be in that playing every day is only helping. This is the guy I want to play every day in spring. This is the complete opposite of Shane Victorino. <laughs> I want him in every game, maybe five or six innings. Let him play. Because he needs to get his confidence back, and he's and he's clearly not injury prone. He hasn't come close to being hurt, and I think he needs to play. I don't need him to play nine innings every game, but especially once you get closer to the season, play him, keep playing him, get him, get him more at bats, get him comfortable at shortstop. Everything possible that makes this guy feel better, it will come from playing. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's it was a great article by Nick Cafardo in the Globe uh, a couple couple weeks ago or so where he was just. Bogarts was just saying that last year was tough. He wasn't he wasn't strong enough for a full season. He wasn't he wasn't prepared enough for a full season, and so he did all his workout at the Exos facility in Arizona, and he got stronger. He got more endurance, and now he feels much more ready to take on the league and, and not strike out so much and be a better fielder and really take that next step and start to be the player that everyone expects him to be over his career. And he's off to a darn good start this year. Yeah, no, Xander Bogarts is going to be, this is going to be the year I believe it's his breakout year. Last year was his first full year in the league, and I think this is going to be the second year dry. It's not going to be a sophomore slump because he did not. He couldn't really go much lower than where he started. But I think that he is going to come out this year, and I think you're seeing signs of it already. He's, you can see it, if you watch two, the two games that were on TV, you can see his fundamentals in his base he's back to the basics and he's hitting well he's obviously hitting 375 like i said there in the spring he has two home runs three for four uh yesterday or two for three what one of those two two for three uh two for three that's big that's huge because that's coming out saying okay i he, he can now believe himself at the plate again because look this guy's an offensive shortstop he's not known for his defensive prowess so being that confident at the plate is going to be great and look last year not great we all know that he came out. What was his average last year? It's in front of me. Let me find like, it. Where like are two forty or something? Two thirty-five. It was. It wasn't great. Uh, two thirty. Two thirty-five. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't great, and it was not good. Forty-six. Forty-six RBIs last year. Which is not bad for a rookie. But... No, no, it's not. But what the expectations were on this kid? Because look, the year before in the World Series year, he had eighteen games played. That includes the postseason, and he tore it up in the postseason, especially in that World Series. We we know that kid. We know he can play, and we we saw his clutchness come out in the postseason. And he he has a taste of winning a World Series, and he knows what it's like to perform in that series. And we know he wants to get back into that. And he has a great guys in that locker room. I think having Hanley around is going to be huge for him this year because Hanley can teach him how to hit as an offensive shortstop and teach him the, the way of playing shortstop. Not while they had, Han- they had like pretty similar expectations when they came to the league. Exactly, Hanley is basically what Bogarts. Hanley's expectations were now on Bogarts. So 
having Hanley here might have actually been. I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if that was part of the motivation to go get him. It could have. Yeah. And and obviously, Zand, obviously Hanley came to the Red Sox about coming back, but the Red Sox probably thought about it and said it's there's more than one re- good reason to bring him back. And he's gonna. So Bogarts has a mentor in him. Obviously, or him and Ortiz have gotten close over his time being with the Red Sox all of last year. Pedroia is a good leader. Pablo Sandoval's here now, so we'll see how they work on the left side of the infield together. He has more and more veterans surrounding him this year to help him stay above himself and get into the out of slumps if he gets into one. The biggest issue with him was his patience, Jess. He couldn't hit a curveball. He was having issues with that. He was having issues sitting back. The three-run home run yesterday, oh, God, he sat back perfectly. He was sitting and waiting for it, and all he did was flick his wrist, and it was over, it was over the wall. Well, yeah, he's obviously a powerful guy. I mean, the, the problem last year was just he was he had a good start. Well, yeah, so the World Series, he so he got a taste of, of a lot of success right at the beginning with the team. And then last year happened, there was a lot of pressure on him to be good, and he started off the season pretty well the first couple of months. And then he just had, couldn't have been worse between June and August. He was horrendous. Yep. He hit in the hundreds. He basically didn't walk. He struck out a ton of times, made errors in the field. It's just he just had no idea what he was doing. The, the pressure got to him. He was impatient. He wanted to get hits, but that just made it worse, and he got less hits. And then a little more pressure off in September, and he started hitting well again because he probably realized he was putting too much pressure on himself and just wanted to finish the season well, and he did that. So this year he'll come in. He he worked out. He worked a lot, like I said, and he's doing much better now. And I mean, he'll probably still have some slumps during the season. Everyone does, but if he can minimize them and make them short, you know, like a week rather than three months, then he'll be in a lot better shape to to get through those. And if he can be productive the rest of the time, and if he's a better fielder like he supposedly is, then there's no reason he wouldn't be good. Look, the, look, I'm not saying he, he's going to go through the roof here, but and obviously any upgrade's an upgrade because of what happened, but I think this kid is primed for a great year. I, I think it's going to be one of those years that you're going to see him really shine and show his potential. And I think... The same thing happened with Hanley. He, I th- I'm pretty sure, what, his Marlins, he, the year he broke out in the Marlins was his second year, third year, something like that. This kid's on the same track as Hanley was, and this kid's going to be Hanley, if not better. His kid's going to be good. He's going to be a great shortstop. He's going to be an all-star candidate in a, every year. I don't know about a gold glove candidate, but this kid could be a, a great, great potential. Look, I'm not shying away from it. His defense isn't great, but it's getting better. Well, it's and, important that he worked he, – they worked on his skills during the offseason. He's obviously motivated, and it's good that he didn't just give up and be like, well, there's, there's too much pressure. Like, I hate Boston. I don't like this place. Like, <laughs> the expectations are too high. I'm not this good. Like, He didn't pull a Carl Crawford on him. Exactly. He didn't He didn't just, like, give up, basically, and he fall under the pressure because he had so many expectations. He decided that he was going to use that as motivation, and acknowledging the fact that he struggled for a lot of the year last year is important. He's been upfront about it. He's said many quotes about it, and clearly realized he needed to work on some stuff, so he did that in the offseason. So he's going about it the right way. He's going about it the mature way and not just giving up and actually realizing that he needed to change some things, which is very encouraging. Again, and I think having I think new hitting coach helps Chili Davis. I believe he's a big help in him getting back to his mechanics. And I remember when Chili Davis got hired, which was a while ago now, but when Chili Davis got hired, he, someone asked him about Xander Bogarts, and he said, look, there's great potential there. We just have to get in the cage and work on it. Clearly they did that. Right. Clearly, they have been working on it. Clearly, Xander Bogarts has been home working on it in the cage, and it's showing. And especially, it's really showing with him hitting that curveball through the moon because he clobbered it. And that has great signs to come because if he can do that 
in spring. I can only imagine how his time is going to get. Obviously, look, it wasn't off of like top-tier pitching, but how often is he going to face top-tier pitching, especially in this division? So I think he's going to feast off of being in the AL East. I think he's going to come through, have a big year, and I think obviously working with Chili Davis has helped, and I just think that he is primed to come out and just blow the cover off of what he did last year. Yeah, I agree, and it's the only thing I'll have to pay attention to is to not get injured because that obviously always ruins things for guys who have high, high expectations and high potential, but the fact that he's been working out and, and getting stronger and all that should just help his case to not get injured. So don't think that's too much to get worried about, and I, yeah, I'm excited to see him play this year. Next to David Ortiz and Hanley Ramirez, because those two are just monsters, he looks like he's pretty big. Yeah. He, he Besides those two, he's pretty decently. He looks like he's gained some muscle and gotten shape. So I'm looking forward to it because I'm excited. I, I still have that Bogarts fever running through my body. <laughs> I, I, look, last year, we all know, I kind of just ignored it last year because it was a down year for everyone and all the kids were playing. So he didn't really also have any protection in the lineup as well. True. This kid's going to be hitting like seventh, eighth, actually, seventh or eighth. So... He's going to be low. He's not going to be much expectations. And then later in his career, he might slowly move up and eventually earn that four, three, four, five spot. But this kid's hitting seventh. He's no expectations. If you can have this kid come up to where he's supposed to be and hitting seventh in your lineup, it's going to be pay huge dividends for the Red Sox. And I have Xander Bogart's fever, like I said, going through every force of my body right now because I'm excited, especially after yesterday. <laughs> I'm excited to watch him from playing. Seeing him pop that home run gets me going. Get, Jess, get your juices flowing, right? Yeah, I mean, it's expectations were there and everyone got disappointed so if you can get back back excited about the expectations and that's that's awesome you're crazy if it doesn't get your juices flowing jess that's right calling you're crazy and i think you're all crazy if you're listening and aren't excited about sandra bogarts because this kid can, is, is the real deal i think you're starting to see flashes of what all these scouts were talking about uh when they said he's going to be a top shortstop in the league someday that time is now and it's going to be within the next couple this year and next year is going to be his coming out party and i'm not don't be surprised if he pops some home runs this year more than he's supposed to. Because I see it coming. Yeah, I mean, just just, and just thinking about how good he could possibly be. I mean, he's like 26 or 27. I mean, he's only 22 right now. So he's he's got a bright future for sure. I want to. I actually want to get your thoughts on somebody. I don't, I don't want to steer steer us off into the abyss here. but um, Yeah, abyss is a, play, a great place to be sometimes. <laughs> well, I just want to cover quickly cover it. Um, kind of a guy with maybe similar expectations who was even further down the list, Jackie Bradley Jr., He's been playing the spring, and I've seen some articles on how he seems to be getting his swing back into form. And who knows? I guess there's a small possibility he could try to contend for a, a position in the outfield. So I want to—I I just kind of want to see what you think. Do you think he has a chance to ha- to have a spot? Do you think he's going to get better? Or should he start in the minors? Should they trade him? I saw somewhere, Jess, that he was—I forget who he was working with, but he he's working with someone. In the off season, and I forget who it was. Um, I'll find it after. But he he looking good for what I've seen. All these articles I've been reading too. And I'm sure they're the same ones you've seen. You're seeing is that he's getting back to basics. He's getting back to his fundamentals, and it looks like he's hitting the ball pretty well. We all know defensively what he can do. He's probably he can be he can be one of the top outfielders in the league if because of his speed. If he can just kind of get back, get time on the field. Right. But. I think just to that, I think he's really. I think his biggest competition is Mookie Betts, because there's room for one younger outfielder like that on this team. And I know Mookie Betts isn't really a, a natural outfielder like Jackie Bradley is, but I still think Mookie Betts has the edge because of his offense. And I still think he's better. Yeah, he totally yeah. is. It's just I, it's 
Jackie Bradley's defense is so so key, but you, I mean, you're, you're just a wasted spot in the lineup if you're hitting like 190. It depends on what they want to do, because if Mookie Betts plays, he's probably your leadoff hitter, but if Bradley plays, he's hitting nine. Right. So it's just a matter of do you, what you want to do with that spot in the outfield, because look, like I said, I don't think there's any more room than just for one of them on this roster, because Daniel Nava's not going anywhere. Um, I think the only way maybe both of them get on is if Alan Craig gets traded. Right. But I think at this point it's going to be hard to do that, and you're going to have to play him. So maybe you see Jackie Bradley up here later in the year if they start him in AAA. Um, you could see Rusnay Castillo start in AAA, which it would be really weird for me to see, and I don't think it will happen, but I've heard rumblings of that I as well. And I, I mean, I wouldn't mind it because it get him his confidence back. Look, he's coming. He played in like the Arizona Fall League in the some winter ball. And got hurt. He has, <laughs> and he got hurt, so he hasn't really played much. And to get his confidence up and just to get him used to some talent, I wouldn't mind it. And then you can keep Jackie Bradley up here. You can keep Betts up here, and then go from there. Which I highly doubt will happen just because of the price tag that is on Rusnay Castillo's head. But I, that would also be another option. That being said, I think Jackie Bradley starts the year in AAA. Yeah, I unless, think he does too. Unless Mookie Betts just doesn't do anything, but I don't expect that. Yeah, I think he does too, and I just, I just wish there was a way you could like know who your three best outfielders would be. Like I wish there, I wish there was some way to know instead of all this like trial and error. It's like there's so many good possibilities. But it's just it's hard to yeah. know what's going to work out. Ben Sherrington could be in a worse spot. Oh yeah, is realistically what comes from this. He has great outfielder potential. He has he has. Two, two or three guys who have potential if they can just get their games more well-rounded. Um, they have a former All-Star who's coming off an ankle injury who's supposed to be, who was a gold glover before he got hurt. So it's just a matter of, one, what they think they can get from Alan Craig. And I guarantee you the more value they get, the more chances are that they deal him. That I don't think they want Alan Craig in their long-term plans. Um, what they think they can get from Jackie Bradley and Mookie Betts and whether or not they want to just let Rusnay Castillo ride out up in the majors, or they want to give him time in the minors. And obviously Victorino. So, and obviously Victorino, but I'm just leaving him on the field because apparently he's going to be on the field. Um, Victorino is going to be a right fielder either way. I think even if he's like 80%, he's playing because John Fowle came out and said he's playing. I think the biggest issue is going to be who starts in center field. And right now you have three guys starting in the race for center field. It's Rusnay Castillo, Mookie Betts, and Jackie Bradley. I have no problem with him. <laughs> and I believe, I believe it's in that order as well. I believe Rusnay Castillo has the job right now despite being hurt. And I think he's going to have to come back and lose it. Yeah, I agree. I think I think so too. But I would be I'd be happy with I mean if, if Bradley's figured out his hitting, I'd be happy with any of those three guys starting. Do you think do you think Rusnay Castillo would have the job if he took away the money? Do you think it'd still be his? No, I think it'd be best. I don't. I'm not sold on Castillo. I mean, I, I don't have any reason to think he's as good as everyone thinks he is, and he's just gotten hurt a couple of times. And I, I don't, he hasn't proven anything to me. So I don't. I don't, money aside, I would. I would go with best. I agree. And Jess, I don't like to agree with you. I don't. <laughs> it, it, it's a. I got a pitting a pit in my stomach from agreeing with you. But I think that the money is going to win over the outfield battle because. Again, our good friend Larry will come down and say, we're paying this guy not to be in the minors. Right. And I think Larry is going to be inf- influence Farrell on who to play. And I think Larry is the problem. And that's too bad. And it shouldn't be like that. I mean, it should be whoever's the best, the best player, and there's no clear indication that Castillo's the best player right now at all. Yeah, no. 
No, there is no indication, and he's hurt, so he's not even playing. Right. So, and he should be back. I think I heard somewhere possibly next week. Don't rush it. I don't want you to like carry your oblique and not be able to play all year. Those over get this. pretty bad. So yeah, so you can you can do some damage if you force that. So don't kill the guy. Um, but I'd like to see him play a little more. I'd like to see him play a decent amount in the spring if he can come back and be a hundred percent. So yeah, that would actually get people excited and actually think maybe he's good. Maybe yeah, exactly. We we're going off of people's word. Um, there's not much to go I don't off like of. Doing so, that, I like doing that. So no, I'm 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 least excited about him than I am about most people. I just I'm not excited about him. If he if he's good and he can show that he's good, then that's awesome, and I'd love to see him. But I'm, just, I'm not excited about him at all. Yeah, I agree. So I, I think that's going to be a, a key thing to keep an eye on. But I think it's his. Unfortunately, it's his job to lose because of the money. Which is how Larry runs things. Well, hopefully it's fortunately because hopefully he's good. But like like we said, there's yeah. no proof. At this point, it's still unfortunately. Yes. Because of the situation. Uh, we're going to move on here because we're getting close to the uh, cutting it out time yeah, here. Let's move on. And, uh, so we're going to move on here. Uh, what do we want to do next? Let's go. Let's go with our fantasy segment. All right. Let's get the, let's get that in. Uh, we're going to do our top three sleepers here on the Red Sox Speed Fantasy segment. Um, this is going to be any sleeper, not specific by position. Just we picked, we each picked three people who we think is going to be someone who you'd want to draft, who's under the radar, who you might forget about and might miss. Young guys, old guys, you name it, sleepers. Just go. Yes, I'm putting you on the spot. You can go. That's fine. So my first sleeper is Prince Fielder, who is currently a first baseman for the Texas Rangers. He had a down year last year where he was injured for most of the year. It was neck surgery he had. So he's been a really good player in in, in the past, and I think that since the Rangers were terrible last year, and we'll try to get better this year, I think he'll have a better year, and he'll just kind of come out of nowhere because no one's probably expecting much from him now because he <laughs> barely played last year at all. So pretty much, you'd yep. expect you know, 20, 20 to thirty homers and a decent average, and getting on base a good amount and driving in some runs because he'll probably be in the middle of the order. So I think he'd be a good guy that people aren't really thinking of that could could very well have a good season. Do you want me to do my other two, or do you want to go one by one? Uh, we can go one by All one. Right, go for it. Was that your best one or your worst one? Uh, like, in, think, if you if you rank them. I think best one. Okay, so I'll go best to worst then. Uh, my my top one, I'm going with Shin Su Chu of the Rangers. Now, he is 32 years old, so why would that? And he's a big name. Why is he a sleeper? Because he didn't play last year. Um, he's coming off ankle injury. Um, he hit 242 with 13 home runs and three stolen bases last year before the injury caused him to sit. Um, he is currently playing on a mammoth seven-year, $130 million contract, and I think he's a sleeper because I think a lot of people forget about him, and he's not, he hasn't been mentioned too much in the news. I think he's coming back quietly, and I think in, if you have a chance to draft him, do it because he's gonna. I think he's going to get back to himself this year. I think he's healthy. And I think he's going to be—he's not going to be a top draft pick guy because if he hasn't played last year, and I think people really have forgotten about him. So I think he's a really big sleeper in the sense of you can get him in a third or second round this year. I think, and I think you can go forward with him for there. Yeah, I agree. I think he's a—he's a good player, and he's definitely forgotten because he was hurt. But can't forget about that monster contract because obviously someone thought he was good enough to get a good contract. So. And you know he's he's gonna you know he's also gonna want to prove his contract worth. So you know he's gonna come out and play even harder this year. Exactly. So there's your first two fielder for me, two for Jared. So my second one is a pitcher for the San Diego Padres. His name is Tyson Ross. 
He's a starting pitcher. Last year, he was 13 and 14, 195 strikeouts, 2.81 ERA. So, good pitcher, not much run support, obviously, but it looks like you can probably assume that he'd get a decent amount of wins this year. The Padres just have a better team than they had last year, and he's good at strikeouts, and he almost had 200, so you might be able to expect around 200 strikeouts from him, and his ERA is, 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 was really good last year, so I think he's a good all-around guy that can get you some wins, some strikeouts, and some ERA that nobody really talks about, because if you probably ask most people, majority of people probably don't even know who Tyson Ross is, so I think he's a good sleeper. Yeah, I think I think you're right, Jess. A lot of people don't know who Tyson Ross is, but his stats are there, especially for fantasy, so I'd definitely grab him if you can. Um, my number two is also a pitcher. I'm going with Chris Archer of the Rays, um, primarily for his strikeout. He's a strikeout king. Um, 173 Ks last year in 194 innings. Yeah, um, right there. That dude's insane. He strikes out everyone he faces. So if you need a strikeout pitcher, definitely get Go snag Archer. You might be able to get him late, uh, second, third round. You, you don't have to waste a first round draft pick on him. I promise. Um, last year he was ten and nine with a three three ERA. Ten, he's going to probably be over a ten win pit, pitcher again this year, so that's great as well. Getting the, the win stat up if your league has that in, involved. Um, look, he's going to be a top pitcher for the, the, the for the race this year, and he's going to get a lot of innings because they don't have that many great pitchers on that staff. He's going to be a two. Probably, probably a two starter in that rotation. He's going to get those innings. Means those those K's are going to be up there. His ERA is probably going to be decently low again. Three point three three is not that bad. And a ten win pitcher. Don't sleep on Chris Archer. Go out there and get him. Fair enough. All right, my third person is another pitcher for the White Sox, Jose Quintana. He is a lefty. He's twenty six years old. Had a decent year last year. He was 9-11, and which isn't very good, but pretty good amount of strikeouts, 178, and his ERA was only 332. So I think he's kind of a, a sleeper pick who could pick up some more wins this year if he gets some more run support, and he's just getting into the prime of his career. And just another guy who's kind of lower in the rotation who you wouldn't really expect to be good, but if he's if he's giving you 13 or 14 wins at a ERA in the mid-threes, that's that's some good fantasy stuff. So I, he's my third one. So you got Fielder. Ross and Quintana for my three. Yeah, that's a good third one, Jess. I think a lot of people are going to forget about Quintana. Uh, my third one, also a pitcher. I didn't want to go two pitchers, but I couldn't really leave this dude off the list. Um, my third one is Carlos Martinez of the Cardinals. 23 years old. Um, last year was 2-1 and one with a little over four ERA. Um, that's That was him in the bullpen. He was a setup man last year. I like him a lot because reports are that he's going to be the five starter this year in that rotation, which means he's going, to, he's, he's going to get more numbers for you as a starter. But look for most websites to have him in league tables to have him listed as a starting pitcher slash relief pitcher, and that's huge because if he doesn't end up as a starter, you know he has a quality setup role waiting for him, and that means you could draft him as either one. I would draft him. Not not even knowing which one he's going to have because he's going to be either a great reliever like he has been and he's going to get you those relief numbers you're looking for, or he's going to get you a, be a fifth starter and get you a couple more wins and be that lower tier starter you can snag. And especially if you're in a keeper league, I would get him and keep him at all costs because he's a guy who's going to be good for them for years to come. St. Louis has been phenomenal with their drafting and their promote and their promotion of their young guys and their development of their young guys. He's the he's the one to keep now if this year and long term if you can if you have a keeper league so he's a huge one for me as well in this sleeper so my top three are Shinsu Chu, Car- Chris Archer and Carlos Martinez. Oh, all good picks. I think 
couldn't go wrong with any of those six guys, so make yeah. sure you grab some of them in your league. Yeah, so there, there it is. There's the Red Sox beat weekly fantasy segment. Next week, we'll uh, not really sure. We'll kind of keep it by ear what we go, depending on what's kind of in the trend. I saw, I saw great news about these sleepers, so I was inspired and wanted to do sleeper picks this week. So next week, who knows what we'll do. Stay tuned for that. Um, of course, if you have any questions regarding your fantasy team, feel free to tweet either of us or at Red Sox Beat on our Facebook page, at, on the Red Sox Beat Facebook page. Um, you can tweet at the CLNS radio stuff as well. We'll see those too. We're all tapped in with our social media here, so feel free to contact us that way as well and get your questions in if you have any specific questions about your team, about who potentially who you pick up, who we think about players. Look, there's a lot of players in baseball. We can't get to all of them. So if you have any questions about specific ones, feel free to contact us, and we'll get to those next week um, or anytime, really. Feel free throughout the season. So it's going to be a once-a-week segment. We'll like, we like to talk fantasy here. We're both fantasy nuts. So uh, feel free to contact us about that and stay tuned for next week. That being said, we're going to move on here. Jess, good job with your sleepers, by the way. Those were good ones. Thank you. It was a good, good idea for a segment. I, I had fun with that. Yeah, it was a great one. We're going we're gonna to definitely keep that one in the back pocket. Uh, all right, we're going to move on here. I want to talk some, two more Red Sox notes before we get off here. Uh, one, Clay Buckles. And we'll get to the second one in just a minute to round out the show. But I want to talk about Clay Buckles here quickly. Jess, we've talked about Clay Buckles in the past about needing to be a leader. We've talked about him needing to step up and potentially be the quote-unquote ace of the staff because by veteranship, he's been the one who's been here the longest. Talked about it? And I think he, we've poured over for hours on that. <laughs> Fair, talk, yeah. Talked I've about it the, uh, understatement. <laughs> yelled and screamed about how Clay Buckholz is now or never for him and to put up or shut up. And he did probably the best thing he probably could have done for this team and him being a leader. And if you haven't seen it, he has went, took it upon himself to make shirts that they all, there's five of them for every man of the rotation. Uh, there is one shirt that says, quote, I'm the ace, and the other four say, uh, he's the ace, I believe, the other four say. Yep. And that is in relation to whoever's pitching that night puts on the I'm the ace t-shirt. If not, you're wearing the he's the ace t-shirt, and that is the mentality of this rotation. And I love it because, look, there's been so much media cri- uh, critique, including ourselves, about potentially not having an ace and if you can win without an ace and all this stuff. He's basically saying the ace is who's pitching that night, and that's it. Everyone, whoever's pitching is an ace. We all think we're, we're great pitchers, and that's it. This is huge for him in terms of being a leader in that locker room. No question about it. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's, it's, it's a funny idea. It's a, it's a clever idea. And I'm sure they're all tired, about hearing, tired of hearing about how there's no ace. They're not good enough. They're not good enough. They, yeah, they need somebody else to help them. I'm sure they think they're good enough because they're major league pitchers who are all coming together to pitch on the same staff. So I love it. I, I love Buckholtz's quote. He said, Quote, it's just something to keep the guys loose. Obviously, the comments surrounding our staff and what we got going on, it's always been based on you have a bunch of number threes, number four guys, you don't have a number one or two guy. Shows the guys there's no pressure on anybody to just go out and pitch. And this is great. This is so Clay Buckholz because he's not going to he's not gonna be like in your face about stuff. and He's going to go kind of kind of shifty and do some funny stuff. So he just kind of did this and just came out with it, and everybody thought it was See, funny. I mean, look at him. Clay Buckholz is a shifty dude. Yeah, he is. So he's not going to be like this big, like strong presence who's like, who's like out, out in the forefront and rallying his troops and stuff. But he's going to do things in his in his own little way, and it's great to see that he's actually doing something because he could could have easily just done like he's done the rest of his career and just kind of hide and shift, shift responsibility to oh, other guys. Oh, and, oh, you know? there's no one to hide behind yeah, anymore, my friend. He can't hide, and he's realizing that, and he's he's doing things to show that he's a leader, and I love it. Have you seen Wade Miley in this T-shirt? I have. He looks like such a hick 
and a beast and a mammoth. He's a big boy. He like a hick. <laughs> and he cut off. I don't know if they, I'm pretty sure they all cut off the sleeves because they wanted no sleeves. I believe Joe Kelly, according to an article I read, was the only one who didn't want no sleeves because he, according to him, he's he's a really skinny dude, and the other guys are have have decent arms, so he didn't want to show off his scrawniness. <laughs> but because of, because of his other four pitchers, he sucked it up and went for it and took off the sleeves as well. So that is a sign already saying that these guys are solidified together and these guys are doing everything as a staff this year. So these, honestly, the way this Red Sox rotation is built and the way they're coming together this spring. There isn't a trace, and we know that, and this might be one of the fun rotations to watch this year I, And from a story point of view, because if these guys have any success, they're going to get put on SportsCenter. They're going to be the Royals of last year, only this year. They're going to be those guys who come together as a band of a rotation and just somehow come together and do it every night. I think Rick Porcello this year is going to get his due. I think Clay Buckholz is going to have a mediocre year, but hopefully not. Um, and I think this rotation is going to come together I still think they need an ace, and I'm still on that train. I really am. I'm riding that train to my grave. They need an ace this year. But if they can start and kind of build a camaraderie together, and, be, and clearly they already are, it's a good way to put it off until they really can see where they're going to be throughout the league and if they need to go give up someone to get an ace this year. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I'm not on you. I don't think they need an ace. I, I think they all have potential to be the ace, and that's why the shirts are so funny, and they'll go out there and see what they can do. The shirts are great. Don't get me wrong. I love the idea. It's great for leadership. It's great for the locker room. But I don't want to bank on the offense because who knows? I would yeah. like a, sure. a rotation that can bank me down and at least one guy a week, every five days I know I'm getting something close to a win depending on what the offense does. I don't have – I mean, obviously, I think Rick Porcello can be that guy because, look, he's a very underrated guy in this league. Rick Porcello is. He was behind three great pitchers in Detroit. He's finally going to – be the, close to the face of a rotation, and he needs to show that. And he's coming into a decent division. Obviously, this year it's going to be down. But I think it's time for him to kind of step up and be the leader, on the, one of the leaders on this rotation. And I think that he's going to be eventually, by numbers, the ace on this rotation until they went and got someone else. But I don't trust them winning anything until they have a big game pitcher, unless somehow Porcello turns into it. Or Buckles. Porcello. Hey, either one of them. <laughs> I'm cool with Buckles being the motivational leader with these T-shirts and having a, a, being a good number two. I think Porcello has it in him to be a number one guy. I do too. He needs to get more starts, and that's what he's get. That's what he's getting from being in Boston. So that that'll play itself out. But he did look good in his spring debut. I will say that. Yeah, he did. He looked real good. He, they, him and Buckles actually both look good. So, Joe Kelly, not so much. No, actually, Joe Kelly's the only starter who hasn't looked good. Didn't look good in their starting. Uh, debuts. I'm pretty sure Wade Miley started today and he looked decent, I heard. So, yeah, he did well. He, so looking good on, on that front. Um, one last thing before I want to touch on in terms of Rick Porcello. Uh, he's come out and said he doesn't expect to negotiate an extension with the Red Sox. Um, it didn't really get brought up. It hasn't been really brought up. He's a, he's an unrestricted free agent after this season. Is it a big deal to you that the, if he plays for his contract this year? No, I think it's fine. I didn't really expect him to do a deal before this year. I think it was kind of expected that they would just see how the year plays out and take it from there. Do you think... I know this is really far in advance, but I kind of want to link this to this conversation because he did come out and say, I'm not talking to them. It's not really going to come up. I'm just going to play the year, which is fine. I'm, I'm actually okay with that too. Do you think this hinders at all any chance of him coming back next year? Well, I think if he... I mean... I think it depends on how the year goes. If if Boston pressures too much or whatever, if some you know something could always happen. But if he has a good year and he enjoys it here, then I don't see any reason why he wouldn't want to come back. 
I think he's going to – my prediction early, and you can take this to the bank, uh, I think he's going to pitch well this year. I think he's going to see what it's like to pitch well in Boston and see that love that we will shower him with while he's pitching well and say, oh, this is great. I love it. And he's going to sign a long-term deal here. I really think that this guy's part of the future plan. Um, And I I think him – I think really this whole rotation is part of the future plan, realistically, unless you can get something potentially for Joe Kelly to get your ace. But I think they really like Wade Miley. I think they really they really like Justin Masterson coming back and fixing him. I think obviously Buckholz isn't going anywhere clearly, and Rick Porcello, I think, is part of the future. And then potentially Henry Owens in the mix as well later down the road. I think I think you have a good future pitching wise, despite not being 100% as best you possibly can this year. I think moving forward, it's great for the future. So. Yeah, it's it's a good rotation and it's has potential to be exciting and I cannot wait to see how it turns out. And honestly, one last thing before we get out of here, if he if this pans out the way it is and Henry Owens is, comes out and is a superstar like he's supposed to be and their pay and the Pets Red Sox are patient, he could be your ace. He could be that guy because he's supposed to be. If you can get that tall lefty in the top of your rotation, and then go Porcello, Buckholz, and whoever, cool. I'm fine with that too as long as you be somewhat competitive until he's ready. Yeah, I mean, he could be a John Lester type. He's the same hand, and they're both tall and commanding presences. So, I mean, you never know. He's got a Cole Hamels-type delivery. I've, I've, yeah, I've he seen does. You're right. So he could be some da- he could he could be dangerous with that little uh, lefty slider hook that he's got going on. Um, but he's, he's building muscle. He's getting ready. So look out for him to potentially be on the team later in the year as well, obviously with the September call-ups and stuff like that. But we got to a lot today, Jess, and we're going to cut it there. Uh, great show, of course. Oh, yeah. Always is brought to you by Lynda.com. Lynda.com is used by millions of people around the world. All of their self-help courses are taught by experts, and new courses are added to their site every single week. Go claim your free trial today, membership, Lynda.com. Go to Lynda.com backslash CLNS. Like I said, it's free, free 10 days. We're giving a free 10-day trial to try it out. Go check it out. Um, great service, right, Jess? It's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's a great website. So, uh... Good stuff we've talked about today. We've got more fantasy in there. We've got a lot of Red Sox news. We hit you with some MLB headlines at the top, of course, headlined by you, Darvis, being done for the year, most likely. A lot of news coming in, a lot of news coming in throughout the week. If anything else updates, we'll obviously get you on CLNSRadio.com in the Red Sox section as well. Until then, until next week, my name is Jared Scali, of course, by Jess Thomas. Enjoy a good week of baseball, and we'll talk to you next week. Have a good one.